0: Welcome to the Bill Kelly Podcast. I'm Bill Kelly. Well, Hamilton is looking at naming and shaming businesses that don't follow the COVID-19 protocol. We'll give you some of the details on that. New data from the Ontario Economic Recovery Report by the Ontario Chamber of Commerce reveals that only 20% of respondents expressed any confidence in Ontario's economic outlook. That's not good. And Doug Ford joins us to talk about the budget and, of course, the impact of COVID-19 on the Ontario economy. And new COVID-19 modeling numbers also going to be released later on today. What do we know? It's not a pretty picture. It's all coming up. The Bill Kelly podcast starts now. Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Hamilton is now looking at naming and shaming businesses that don't follow the COVID-19 safety protocols. This, of course was after the uh, revolution we had when Paul Johnson joined us a couple of days ago in the program and told us about one particular Stoedic Creek restaurant that uh, was flagrantly violating the COVID-19 protocols, but uh, the decision was made by staff not to release the name of the place. and there's been a lot of outrage and a lot of pushback on that. It was a major part of discussion yesterday with Hamilton City Council. Brad Clark, Stony Creek Council, joins us on the Bill Kelly Show to talk about uh, Council's move and direction going forward on this. Brad, thank you so much for the time. It's good to have you with us today.
1: No, thank you, Bill. My pleasure.
0: Did you know that there was a policy, of a, a no-name policy? Was was it a policy or was it just a decision made by somebody in staff?
1: I do not believe it is a policy. I believe it was described as it was a tradition. This is how they had generally handed handled any charges on any matter. They simply didn't release the names.
0: So, this—I guess the old idea. This is a different time, a different place. We're dealing with a pandemic, and there's some concern here uh, about compliance. I guess is really what this comes down to, isn't it?
1: Yes, sir. So we've we. The vast majority of businesses are complying, and yep. and 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 we're very appreciative of them. The citizens um, want to continue to have some semblance of life, so going out to a restaurant every so often. Um, but then there are other businesses who are flagrantly uh, violating um, the law of Ontario and the and the bylaws of Hamilton. And, and the public should know if they're charged, the public should know in, in my opinion, and, and council agrees.
0: Uh, there was some discussion uh, before you guys had this meeting yesterday and talked about this Brad, uh, about uh, legal responsibilities. and, and you know are you, are you naming and shaming? are you are you, know, with, are you, you know, putting information out there that should be confidential information? That was one point of view. Clearly you don't agree with that.
1: No, and I could not find, and neither could our staff, I would add, Um, any act, legislation, that prohibited a municipality from naming the names of individuals who were charged. Added to that, in Ontario, we have this open court principle, uh, which anyone who is charged with any matter, um, their names are made public. And that's been um, uh, the policy within the courts in Ontario for quite some time. And, and, and you yourself as a, as a reporter and a journalist you see it all the time there are sure. names made so-and-so was charged with this offense doesn't mean they were convicted they were charged in this case if a restaurant is flagrantly violating the rules and putting others at risk then we should be naming that restaurant to to shame them into compliance
0: is there concern here about the penalty aspect of this? I mean, because these these bylaws have been in place for quite some time now, and you know, it, no, I don't think anybody complete ignorance on these things. But if there are people that are that are, are breaking the rules on a consistent basis, does that indicate that maybe the penalty is not severe enough?
1: Um, I'm torn on that personally. Um, I thought the penalties um, for the businesses were rather onerous when we first put the bylaws in place but over time I've come to realize that yeah no they're not a penalty they're just the cost of doing business so my position has kinda of changed over time a three thousand dollar fine for a restaurant um, to operate almost like a full restaurant and allow people in and all the money that they're making it just offsets that fine. It's, um, it's literally a cost of doing business. Okay, I got fined. Here's your money. And then they continue doing what they're doing. So the only way to make sure that these restaurants are going to come into compliance with all of the other restaurants who are in compliance is to name them.
0: Well, and you know the old phrase, a former police chief used it on a pretty regular basis, compliance is free. You know, if you play by the rules, you're not going to get fined, so no big deal. Uh, but these are people that, are, as you say, are basically thumbing your nose at, at the bylaws and at the city, for that matter. And and people, you know, it's a public health issue as much as anything else. And, you know, I, I just think there should be a, some sort of a discussion about about, you know, the the penalty phase of this Um, you know shut them down for a week or something i know that sounds pretty onerous but you know if you're breaking the rules consistently uh... you gotta send a message don't you uh,
1: i i i agree uh, i have no sympathy for the businesses who are refusing to comply with the laws. as a matter of fact i'm angry with them because they're putting you and i and our families our neighbors all at risk by not complying and so it's essential that we get all of these restaurants that they want to remain open just learn what the rules are and follow them. And and goodness, we've been at this now how long now since March? Yep. These restaurants know the rules.
0: Well, uh, sure I because mean, they I mean, can't
1: plead ignorance.
0: No, and they've gone through the shutdown period. A lot of them did anyway. Yes. Uh, and and they you know the, 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 you guys have been open and honest about what needs to be done here. And there are inspections that are going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is not like some of the other bylaws. I know, of course, while they get charged, and then it's six months before they even get a hearing, and they can appeal this. Uh, they're they're charged and they're ticketed right then and there i mean they're given the fine are they not
1: yes they are and and we've now moved to a more proactive phase the government of ontario has strongly encouraged municipalities to be proactive in in their enforcement uh, mechanisms and so we are doing that also we have an enforcement team that is now proactive that's going out and randomly inspecting and so uh, folks if you're running a business make sure you're complying you don't want to go down this road,
0: so that's going to be the council move. I know a couple of your colleagues uh, were not uh, in favor of this and did not support this, uh, but it's uh, apparently this is not retroactive, so we're not going to no, find out the passed name
1: unanimously. Bill, sorry.
0: Oh, did it? Okay, it's no, finished. I know the mayor and somebody else. We, they
1: we're they making... were speaking like they were opposed to it, but then they voted in favor
0: okay i turned off the meeting early then i guess that was it so. <laughs> i wanted to <laughs> I, 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 I bet you did. <laughs> more than once i'm sure uh... so anyway it did pass unanimously but it is not retroactive so we're never gonna find out who this offending restaurant in stony creek is
1: um... i if staff don't make that name public i will will make file a request personally to make that name public because in my mind it's that restaurant that that what would the word be? Um, it was the catalyst for this this change.
0: Yeah, yeah. And do so you know they what, should be named. Do you know? What,
1: so I, I mean, I spoke with Mr. Johnson this morning. I know our staff are meeting today, and they hope to announce the protocol uh, tomorrow, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I made it clear from my perspective, personally, that if they don't name the name, then I will file a formal request. And, and if that doesn't work I'll I'll go to council and, and ask council to support the, the naming of that business they, they should be named they, they they caused all of this work for our bylaw staff and for council and and this, this entire bylaw that is before us now came about because of of their negligence
0: does anybody on, on council know the name
1: um, I think a few of us do yes
0: okay. All right, so this, you're, you're just going to go through this from legal terms and say if this is okay. Either they do it or you're going to do it.
1: One way or the other, and we have to follow the process. Sure. So I, 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 you know me, I'm always a process guy. I'm not going to unilaterally jump out in front of a truck.
0: <laughs> no, I get that. If I got the
1: process, then I'm safe.
0: Yeah, well, if there's legal liability, you'll certainly hear about it from your staff, I'm sure. Exactly. I look forward to that part, Brad. Thanks so much for jumping in with us today and explaining just what went on yesterday. Really appreciate the time.
1: My pleasure, Bill. Have a great day.
0: You too. Stoney Creek Council, Brad Clark, concerning about uh, compliance with the businesses around town, and that only makes sense. I'm glad it did pass unanimously. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. I want to bring uh, Rocco Rossi, President and CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce, back onto the program. Uh, The Ontario Chamber has released... Uh, Their preliminary data from uh, what they call the Ontario Economic Report and uh, I want Rocco to explain exactly what this is and and the impact and there's a message I think with uh, some of the information they got from some of the members of the Ontario Chamber. Rocco welcome back to the program good to have you with us again sir.
2: Thank you so much for having me on always delighted to be the Premier's (laughs) warm-up back.
0: Whatever we can do for you Rocco that's uh, that's what we're here for talk to us about the Ontario Economic Report what's this all about?
2: Well, every year we do uh, significant surveying of our members, and early in the new year we put together a report to, to give a sense of where confidence levels are, what the big pain points are, uh, and uh, some of our recommendations of what uh, needs to happen to move forward. We've been doing a couple of waves of surveying. Uh, in September, in October we'll do more in November, December, with a view to uh, putting the report out in January. The latest wave, which basically ran the month of, uh, of October, so before these latest announcements of further uh, restrictions, showed confidence levels uh, among our members, which 60,000 strong across the province, small and large, every sector, every region of the province, at the lowest level since we began measuring this in 2011. So 20%, only 20% of um, of our membership expressing confidence in the economy at at this point. Um, and that gives us enormous cause for concern
0: now i want our listeners to be clear on this when you say uh, confidence uh in in the economic outlook uh is that confidence in in this in what's going on or is it confidence in the government's plan to deal with some of those concerns
2: no it's in what's going on look there's okay. lots of appreciation for many of the things that the government is uh is doing although quite clearly uh and 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 business wants to do uh, it's part, it understands, our members understand that good public health policy is at the core of long- term good economic uh, result. Um, but there is a lot of concern that you know when governments are asking businesses to take one for the team, uh, that at the same time the promised supports uh, that they've announced and this is at all level. It's not simply a provincial issue by any means. Uh, that we get those supports in the hands of businesses. So we've been waiting a long time for this new rent subsidy program. We've passed another rent day. um, And this is really, really serious because so many businesses are living on fumes um, and promises aren't going to cut it anymore if you are going to restrict what we can do, make sure the supports are there at the same time that you're giving us the restrictions.
0: I, I know this is not a new message from you, Rocco. You've been talking about this for months now, especially since this pandemic came along. Uh, and it's all well and good for governments, you know, provincial, federal, whatever it is, to announce these support programs. And we're glad they're doing that. But you know from your time in, in politics as well, the biggest problem is getting the money out the door and getting it to the people that need it quickly. And, and Are you satisfied with the way that that's happening?
2: Um, it is lightning speed for government. So I give them a full, uh, full marks on that front, right? They've really upped their game. But unfortunately, it's glacially slow on COVID time. And that's yeah. the reality that we're living in.
0: So therein lies the problem. I mean, there has to be some sort of an acceleration. I know I, I saw you with Morella Fernandez on CTV yesterday talking about this, and basically, you know, if you say, okay, there's going to be restrictions, but we're going to help businesses, that business, that, that help has to come the next day. It can't come a month later.
2: Right. It has to, and you know, or at least the, all of the conditions have to be totally understood. So when a tenant speaks to their landlord, they can say, Look, it's all locked down. I'm in. There's no problem. I may not have the check today, but you know, it, it's good. Don't, don't, don't kick me out. Work with me, um, because you, you can't, you can't eat promises, right? Promises don't uh-huh. pay bills, uh, and that's what that's what our members are are desperately asking for. Again, they want to do the right thing. They understand. They don't want to have out of control uh, numbers and they appreciate very much what the premier did to take a regional approach both to restrictions and to reopening because we understand you know Hamilton is not the same as Fort Francis Toronto is not the same as Timmins it shouldn't have uh the, the it shouldn't have the same response but within a region once you tell me In this region, the data leads me to this conclusion. We want to make sure that all governments speak with one voice because confusion is the enemy of compliance. And so it's not good enough, unfortunately, to say, well, look, at the province, we're going to create the baseline, but then if municipalities, knowing their area better, want to add on to that, have at it, That leads to incredible complexity and confusion for our members. So what we want to encourage is for governments to do what they've been doing so brilliantly, actually, up till now, which is a level of collaboration and cooperation across lines that has been very, very important. We want them to take the extra phone call and say, "Okay, when it comes to (coughs) Toronto region or Hamilton, um, it's, it's, it's red, and these are the conditions. And we agree on that because if, if what you're saying is, look, these, these decisions are made on the basis of science, on the basis of evidence, then I want the scientists, I want the medical doctors, of which I am not one, so I, I, I have no expertise here, but I certainly expect the medical officer of health at the province and at the at the regional level to say in this region this is what the evidence tells us and then if you're going to add those restrictions make sure that the promised supports are coming in lockstep.
0: Here's the concern that, that I'm hearing from a lot a lot of people and specifically in in the, in the restaurant and, and bar business, uh, which has you know gone through a great rejuvenation in this city as you know Rocco over the last couple of years. Uh, it's one Amazing. thing to say, okay, I we're collecting. I love the
2: Hamilton theme. I know
0: it's fabulous, but when you when the government's collecting information to, to make those decisions, are they getting the right information? In other words, the fact that they see a spike, uh, and, and you know, and because I've heard this from a number of people in the business, they're saying that uh, you know what, you aren't fairly targeting restaurants and bars. You know, that's not where the problem seems to be. There are a couple of bad apples that are not playing by the rules. We get that, but it's the, the, the spike in the, in the last couple of months has actually been. You know, it's been gatherings. It's been private house gatherings, backyard parties, and things of this nature. Yet they were putting restrictions on bars and restaurants, and they say we're we're the good guys here. We're trying to be help. You know, you're driving us out of business. Uh, so I, I'm I'm wondering about your thoughts about how they collect this data and how they actually interpret it.
2: Well, I think the more transparent we can be with the data, because unfortunately, even some of the, the commentary, well, look, it's from groups, it's not from restaurants. That's anecdotal as well. Yep. So what I want is to have the evidence on, you know, on the table so people can have that, can people can have that discussion. And also, it's not simply at the government level. This is this is something and, you know, I've said it before in your show, Bill. I want each and every one of your listeners to download the COVID alert app today right is is to do our part everything we can as individuals to ensure that we're assisting with tracking and tracing because we need containment we know that absent a vaccine widely available there is no repeat no zero risk way to reopen the economy so i feel for the government trying to balance all of these things so what can we do in that world We all need to do a whole lot better on tracking and tracing. We also need to triple down on testing. The premier himself has said, look, those rapid tests could be a game changer. Totally agree. We need more of them um, because, you know, tests, unfortunately, are not vaccines. So it means you've got to repeat them on a fairly regular basis to be able to make sure we're containing things and make sure that we're staying on top of The cases and exactly where they're coming from so that we can make these surgical decisions on an evidence basis as the premier has rightfully said he wants to do
0: and is that happening in your mind or is are we coming up short
2: we're coming up short on testing there's no question in my mind we knew the second wave was coming we had several months and and yes, there was some progress. We moved from you know what was going at around twenty thousand uh, tests a day to upwards of fifty thousand. But quite frankly, we need to move into the six figure range on testing if we're going to do this seriously. Because I want to see, or it, I think it would make a ton of sense um, to have you know daycare workers tested on a very regular. Uh, basis, key public transit on a very regular basis. I know that there are lots of employers who would want to do that because it does two things. It helps to contain, it also gives a shot in the arm of confidence. And this is a confidence game as well for employees and consumers. Make no mistake, as important as government programs are, if we're going to move ultimately from an economy of subsidy to an economy of growth, We need people to be helping businesses ring the cash register. And that is, you know, ordering delivery, it's buying gift cards, it's supporting local safely and wherever possible. And greater levels of testing, tracking and tracing would help immeasurably in building that confidence level.
0: Well, because you, you and I have talked many times about consumer confidence, and, and I, for that to happen and, and, to, and to flourish, uh, the consumer has to understand what the rules are too. A hundred percent.
2: A hundred percent clarity. And look, to be fair to, to governments, there, there's, no, there's no clear playbook on this, right? We, you know, to use the hackneyed expression, these are unprecedented times. I get all of that. So all the more reason that we know things will be changing, what are the things in our control that we could be doing more of to help? Certainly testing, tracking, and tracing are very high on that list. And also ensuring that when we're making the announcements and knowing that there will be regional differences, let's make sure all levels of government have the conversation before the announcement happens so that all of them are saying the same thing about specific regions. We know regions will be different. I totally get that, understand that. The density of downtown Toronto is not the same situation to manage as what you have in Fort Francis or Rainy River, right? I get that. But within that region, municipalities, province, and even the feds now, because the the prime minister is saying, you know, make... Uh, more restrictions, let's all have the same conversation because that's going to help with confidence. People hear different things from different people and they say, that's not science, that's different people having different opinions. So I have an opinion, I'm going to stay open. We don't want that. That will kill the progress that we need to make on the public health side, which is absolutely fundamental in which every business person wants to support because they look south of the border and see when things go really out of control how bad things can get. And we don't want that.
0: Let me ask you a final question for you. I really appreciate you taking the time today, Rocco. Uh, You mentioned that this figure that we just talked about here, only 20 percent of your response have, you know, expressed some uh, confidence in, in the economic outlook for the province right now. Now that was that's that's it's not old data, but I mean it's not current. It wasn't done like post Ontario budget, which was released last week. If you were to take that same survey today, would that number be higher or lower than twenty percent?
2: Well, I think with the greater restrictions, notwithstanding some really excellent steps taken in the budget, those restrictions are casting an incredible shadow around a lot of. Of businesses, I mean, you saw numbers from our friends at the CFIb saying, you know, estimates of two hundred and twenty five thousand businesses potentially going bankrupt um, in in the, in the near term. That's Canada. That's Canada wide. Yeah. Um, I also have a big concern. Another number that came up in our survey results is sixty percent of our members uh, are confident that uh, entrepreneurship thrives. Through this and takes us out the other 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 end, which is great. It's the majority, but but then there's 40 percent are not quite sure. And if we if we don't have that, it's not simply a matter of surviving um, surviving the crisis, but it's it's building back better, as it were, at the other end because we're going to need to pay for all of these bills that we've been accumulating. And entrepreneurship is going to be key, so what we don't want to see is this taking away the risk appetite of, of young and older entrepreneurs to keep doing what they've always been doing, which is creating opportunity for everyone else in the community, right? This is at the heart of the standard of living that we have, at the social programs that we have, at what we've come to expect the, the life the dreams that we have we need that firing at a hundred percent as soon as possible
0: well because one of the key factors here and you've looked at you know some of the startups and this was pre-covid of course and some of the great stories that we've heard all the way through uh and, and part of that is an entrepreneurial spirit and you just don't want to see that get deflated by what's going on more to come on this uh rockwell thank you so much for the time always a pleasure having you on the program
2: stay positive and test negative my friend
0: You betcha. Rocco Rossi from the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. Thanks again, Rocco. Uh, We mentioned that we wanted to get Premier on for a couple of minutes. I know it's a busy time, but uh, we're going to spend a few minutes now with Ontario Premier Doug Ford, uh, who's, uh, well, there's a lot to talk about, uh, Mr. Premier. First of all, thanks for jumping in on the program today. It's great to have you back on the show.
3: Well, it's always great to be on with you, Bill.
0: Let me ask a Premier, if I could. We knew you know, we were talking back in the summertime, and we were talking about the early stages of your economic recovery plan. Uh, you made a statement, which I totally agreed with at the time, said, look, we're not going to get the economy under control until we get the COVID under control. Uh, and I agree with that wholeheartedly, and we saw the positive results of that through the summer months anyway. Uh, we're going the wrong way right now. I know the numbers I know you're going to talk about with your daily briefing later on today are pretty alarming, and 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 that's sadly going to have an impact on the economy.
3: That's right, Bill, and that's why it really comes down to, as Dr. Williams has said, and Dr. Williams has done an incredible job with, along with all the other medical officers and public health, is it's very simple. If everyone just followed the protocols, it's about as simple as that, is make sure that you don't gather in large gatherings, because that's where we see a lot of the spread, and to make sure that you mask when you're around other people and social distance and just follow the, the basic protocols. Uh, everyone has a part to play in it. We're doing everything we can, all three levels of government, the municipal, the provincial, and, and the federal government. But we have to rely on on public behavior as well.
0: Well, uh, the, the, the disturbing thing, and I'm sure you feel the same way about this, is that you know, you're, you're initiating programs and funding programs to try to help business get back on their feet in spite of what's going on with these numbers. But, you know, when the, when the public sees these and consumer confidence goes down, if people aren't coming through the door, that, that's bad for the economy. And, then, and right now, people are getting nervous about that again.
3: I, I agree with you, Bill. I had this conversation not even 15 minutes ago with, with some folks, and uh, you have to have public confidence, even if the restaurants were open. Are they, are they confident to go in there and sit down and, and have a meal, or are they confident to go into a, a small uh, boutique gym? Uh, which I support both both industries, uh, but we have to build the public confidence. We did it once before; we were able to bring the uh, the numbers down well below a hundred right across the the province, and then I, I think everyone uh, let their guard down a bit, and now we're we're back we're back into it. I'm 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 confident if we follow the the protocols, uh, we we will be back into a, a much better area than than what we're seeing right now.
0: I know you've seen the uh, economic report from the Ontario Chamber of Commerce that we were just talking with Rocco Rossi about before you joined us, uh, and the, the rather alarming number there, only 20% of the respondents actually expressed confidence in Ontario's economic outlook. Uh, are you confident that uh, that the budget that uh, that you introduced last week uh, in the legislature addresses some of those concerns so we can see that number get back up?
3: Well, I'm very confident on, on the economic uh, side, yeah. especially if we see the numbers go down, we we uh, we will drive the economy, the likes of which this province has never seen. But it goes back to what we were talking about a minute ago. Bill, you have to have the public confidence to be able to go out there and, and enjoy a meal at a restaurant or, or go to your local gym and get the economy uh, back up and going. You can't have the economy booming uh, without uh, public health in, in, a, in a safe area. And, and right now we see the, the numbers climbing. I, I am concerned about it. And especially in uh, two two regions, uh, Toronto and and Peel, uh, especially Peel, we we see uh, the spread even going up to Caledon and uh, I, I know all three mayors. I, I talk to them frequently. I just had a conversation with Mayor uh, Bonnie Crombie uh, this morning, and uh, she she's concerned as well. So we're going to consult with a. The health table, which I always do, I always rely on health and science. But even even Doctor Williams said the other day, you know, uh, the the fatigue with people. I, I see it. I, I talk to people. Mm-hmm. I I hear it. Uh, this COVID fatigue, uh, mental health, depression, uh, and uh, you know, we we even see domestic disputes uh, are going up uh, as well. So uh, we we have to just follow the protocols and get get back into the game per se.
0: Well, we'll be watching. I know that you're going to introduce some new modeling numbers a little bit later on this afternoon, and we'll be watching for those. Always a spot on the show for you, Premier, when you want to come on and talk about some of this stuff. I really appreciate the time today.
3: Well, thanks Thanks so much, Bill, and I look forward to visiting the folks up in Hamilton right today. We're on our way up there right now.
0: Good to see. Thanks again, Premier. We'll talk soon. Thank you so much, Bill. Premier Doug Ford, of course, uh, with his outlook. And as we say a little bit later on, they're going to be announcing some new protocols, and we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. New COVID numbers are coming out, and uh, later on today, apparently, we're going to get new modeling numbers, in other words, projections as to how they think this thing is going to roll out. And it's uh, rather troubling. Uh, The number that we have for today: 1,575 new cases in Ontario. Uh, there are some predictions that say that that could easily go over 2,000 cases per day very, very shortly. What's going on, and and what are we doing right, what are we doing wrong? I want to bring Dr. Todd Coleman into the conversation. Uh, Dr. Coleman is a Ph.D. assistant professor in the Department of Health Sciences at Wilfrid-Laurier University. Uh, doctor, thank you so much for the time. Great to have you with us again.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me again.
0: When we've kind of crystal balled a little bit, and I know this is, there's, there's some science involved in this, this isn't just somebody making predictions, did you foresee that we'd be up as high as we are? I mean, 1575 today is, is bad enough, but now they're saying they wouldn't be surprised if it went over 2,000 cases a day shortly.
4: Yeah, it's not surprising at all. If you look at the trajectory that we're on right now with the increases, um, it, it's pretty clear that we're on an upswing, and 2,000 seems like a, a, a likelihood now uh, for December,
0: But because we're always told, okay, you know, when we get into the colder weather, uh, you know, we're going to be indoors more. And that means the spread is is much more uh, bound to happen in situations like that. And we saw that, you know, because we really didn't go through a winter uh, in Ontario. I mean, you know, we knew about COVID back in January, but it was really March by the time that we started to see a, a dramatic impact. But we've had mild weather here too, uh, you know. Uh, especially here in southern Ontario, we've had the uh, the opportunity to actually be outside a lot more. I mean, I'm sitting out on my patio in the middle of November, and I figured that that was never going to happen before. But we're still we're still seeing these numbers increase. Is it is it behavior, doctor?
4: Uh, I think it's a combination of all of that. Uh, so the the likelihood of of coming into contact with people we're we're, we're at a different place than we were earlier in the year. So we're still seeing uh, uh, infections happening in schools, for example, in healthcare settings and long-term care. Uh, those are still still at play here, uh, and and it's just, I, I think, one of the additional steps that we're seeing, or the the additional factors that we're seeing, is that there is a little bit of fatigue. People are getting together. Uh, albeit some of them may not be telling people that they're uh, readily meeting up with other people. But it, it, it's, an, it's an inevitable fact that that is what ha- what's happening, uh, because that's what you need for transmission to happen.
0: Are we following the protocols? I mean, you're right. I mean, we do see a lot more people wearing masks, and that's that's good news. Although, you know, as I just mentioned before you joined us here, the the anti-masking uh, p- protests seem to be mounting. I uh, I hope I don't know if that's part of the fatigue or if these are just people that just don't want to comply. But th- they're a minority. That's the good news. But uh, mm-hmm. is, is social distancing is it, it, it the other one that I know you and I talked about going way back to the springtime is contact tracing, and and we don't seem to be doing a very good job of that.
4: Yeah, it, it's, you're right. It's a combination of, of all of those factors. So the contact tracing that we're seeing right now happening uh, for a lot of the second waves that we've observed, at least from the data that I've seen from uh, Public Health Ontario, uh, they, they haven't been able to show uh, for almost a third of the cases that are happening each day uh, where people are getting infected. Uh, so that's a problem in itself. And whether that's people not admitting that they've been in contact with other people or uh, the contact tracers not even being able to get a hold of people. I'm not too sure because the data isn't there. Um, But yeah, that's one of the key things that that we're not seeing. And we're just making the pool of people larger uh, who are active cases, which means that 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 2,000 number that we're going to see is a higher likelihood.
0: And the impact that it's having, uh, I, because I know there's some people, you know, that are saying, well, what's the big deal? Because 80% of the people that we're told that they actually test positive probably are not going to need hospitalization. They're probably going to stay at home and feel like crap for a week or two and then hopefully get better. We don't know that. But we don't know the long-term effects of this yet. Uh, it's It's... I understand the fatigue that you're talking about because I hear about it every day from people that say, "I, ah, you know, I really don't need to do that." We've been doing this since March, and I never got sick, and my friends and their family never got sick. So why should we stop? But that, we're starting to see the, the the negative results because of that, aren't we, doctor? I and mean, the numbers are going up, and up, and up. And I mean, over 2,000 cases a day is uh, that's that's alarming.
4: It's, it's absolutely alarming, uh, and, and it's likely, uh, exactly as you said, that fatigue, and it's mixed in with uh, certain people not wearing masks or not wearing them properly, uh, not social distancing, and potentially, to a smaller extent, not practicing proper hand hygiene.
0: Which is all stuff that we know about, and we know that we should be doing, and we don't seem to be doing it with the, the regularity that we did uh, in the past. I mean, I've seen that anecdotally. I mean, the odd time I'll go into a pharmacy or something like that. You know, the, the, there's, There was a time when, you know, if somebody was standing in a certain aisleway, nobody else would go down that aisle. Just, we don't want any of that. Uh, we seem to be getting pretty sloppy about stuff like that. I, I guess the question a lot of us are asking when we see these numbers, and I guess we're going to get some, as we mentioned, some, uh, some modeling projections uh, later on today, Uh, Is this going to get worse before it gets better?
4: It all depends on on, uh, a couple of things. So uh, seeing what, uh, in terms of the the public health response, uh, is to this kind of this modelling, what we see, especially in the the hardest hit regions, what kinds of measures are put in place. The modelling, while we haven't seen the full report yet, suggests that if we don't change what we're doing now, that's when we'll see uh, wow. uh, the two thousand cases. If we if we implement a little bit further measures, uh, we may see some curbing of that or plateauing of the numbers.
0: I'm always reminded of uh, when Dr. Redfield uh, down in the States from the Center for Disease Control was uh, testifying in front of a congressional committee. I remember he held up the face mask and he said, this is going to protect me more than a vaccine would protect me. He says, if everybody wore these for about six weeks, we could knock this thing right down. And, uh, of course, there is no mandatory mask law. There isn't one here in Ontario either. Are, are we being strict enough? Are we, are we trying to do this in half measures? Is that one of the reasons why we seem to, to fluctuate in the way that we're doing
4: that's a good way of describing it is is half measures. So we're seeing a lot of the responsibility uh, uh, on behalf of, of the provincial government being thrust onto uh, local governments to enact their own local bylaws and local laws in terms of mask wearing, which sort of abdicates the responsibility of preventing this on a provincial level. Uh, and we're seeing different enforcements from region to region. Uh, and it, it, it's... I, it, it sort of, I wouldn't say annoying, but it is annoying to, to have to repeat it over and over again that masks do work. Uh, the evidence is there, despite uh, the, the few pieces of information that people try to latch on to uh, and use for their own purposes to justify uh, going out with friends. Uh, they do work, and it, it, Dr. Redfield was right. Uh, if everyone were to wear a mask, in, uh, a proper mask, wear them properly mm-hmm. in in settings, we, we could do, go a long way to, to help curb this, this, uh, these infections.
0: Well, I guess we have to re-educate people uh, because the message seems to be getting muddled, and uh, we're starting to see the, the results, and it's uh, not a very uh, a pretty picture and not a very encouraging picture. Uh, doctor, always a pleasure, mm-hmm. always informative to have you on the program. Thanks so much for joining us today.
4: Thanks again for having
0: me. Take care. Dr. Todd Coleman, of course, from uh, Wilford Lauria University. So, what about that? I, I tried to get in. We only had a couple of minutes, sadly, with the premier just a few minutes ago uh, by phone to talk about some of this stuff and the impact that uh, this spike again in COVID is, is having on the economy, for one thing, but certainly on people's lives as well. But we're going to get some new projections today. And, uh, you know, I, the question we have to ask ourselves is how is the government going to respond? And uh, that's somewhat problematic these days. I, that's why I asked Dr. Coleman, are we doing things in half measures? Is that why we're just getting mediocre results as a result? Richard Brennan, retired journalist for the Toronto Star, who's covered Queen's Park for many, many years, uh, joins us to talk about this. Uh, Badger, first of all, thanks for coming on today. Uh, it's a very active day. We're going to get projections that are, are pretty frightening. They're suggesting over 2,000 new cases per day. Uh, it sounds to me as if we're not doing a very good job, but I guess the question that we need to ask ourselves is, Uh, Are our governments doing enough for us? I mean, you know, I look at places like New Zealand and other uh, jurisdictions that have beaten this thing, uh, and they were a lot more strict than we're being here in Ontario.
5: Well, you know, the the problem here is that Doug Ford has tried to balance, um, you know, balance between the needs of, you know, businesses, companies, and people's health. But it's come to the point where, I don't think, I mean, I'm sure right now they're talking about this as we are, that they've got to make a decision, and that decision is to, you know, to bring really tough restrictions in. I mean, that's, that's, you know, they found out in Europe, they, you know, they found out in England, that's the only way they're going to be able to, you know, get a handle on this and reduce the numbers. That's, and that's, I mean, he's trying to. He's been trying to put it off, and I understand that. He, he, you know, because businesses have got to thrive too. Sure. But the point is, it's coming down to people's health now. People are, people are dying. it was fourteen yesterday, and God knows how many today. I guess there's what fifteen hundred today, or something yeah. like that, or F- fifteen
0: hundred seventy-five positive.
5: Yeah. So it, it's come down to. Th- That and it's just a matter of time before that decision is made. I mean, he has no he has no other alternative, quite frankly.
0: And I understand his hesitation as well. I wish I had more time to talk to him this morning, but uh, he was a little late getting onto our program and. business is business. That's unfortunate, but we, I want to hook up with them again to talk about that because uh, I know they're looking at the calendar, too, and they're saying, you know, this, we're heading into Christmas season now. I don't want to do an economic shutdown or even a partial shutdown. Uh, this is when people are hoping to make up some money from the shutdown that they had earlier this year. I understand all of that, but these numbers are out of control, and as I, I said to the Premier, the economy's not going to get better until we start knocking the virus down, and we're not doing that. We're going the wrong way.
5: Well, again, this is a double two edged third here we yep. have, you know, the premier trying trying to you know balance between people's needs, health needs, and and, and the needs of business. So we got that, but then you still have people having parties, and and, and it just completely ignoring the very serious situation we have right now, and so that throws another wrench into it. In a combination, the whole combination of of this means that the government has to decision and and the epidemiologists are are saying you know and well the star story today saying that he ignored advice uh you know rejected advice from from the experts on on uh, what should be done i mean that's not going to go well for him and i think he's going to make that up very shortly by bringing the hammer down
0: well, and we saw that, you know, in the early days of you know Trump, and he had his task force, you know, the COVID task force, and you saw Dr. Fauci and Dr. Redfield and others, and Dr. Burke standing there, basically saying nothing, uh, while while Trump was based lying about everything. Uh, it, I expect Dr. David Williams or whoever else is up that podium, if they disagree with what's being said, if they disagree with the policy, say so, and not just behind closed doors, but tell us. You know, they, they, you know they, they, all the politicians are saying, you know, we're going to follow the, the medical advice. I'm not so sure they're doing that.
5: Well, uh, I mean, it's obviously not.
0: Yeah. And, and, and as, as, as reported in the Toronto I, Star Tribune, I
5: truly believe, and I mean, we we have a right to know this from from our experts, and they should give us the unvarnished truth. And we were, you know, we we know it's bad. And it's getting worse, so tell us exactly what we have to do and, and whether we have to shut down the economy or for a month, which God, I, I hope not, but I'm, I'm sure that's where we're headed. And people should be telling us what's going on, and that includes, that includes our politicians. This isn't time to withhold information. This is the time to tell people exactly what's happening
0: and 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 i hate to sound harsh about this but if people that are offenders bring the hammer down i don't mean somebody who shows up at a store and they don't have the mask over their nose or something i'm talking about well this apparently this restaurant in stony creek you know there were multiple offenders on on numerous occasions apparently about this and i as, as counselor brad clark told us well they got a fine three thousand dollar fine well you know what if they made five thousand bucks that day they don't really care about the fine do they i mean they're still doing it that's why they do it again and again you know, shut them down for a week and maybe that'll send a message. And there's only it's a handful of people or a handful of businesses that are doing that, but they're starting. They're causing this thing to spread, and that's, that's it's counterproductive. You know, it, 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 we're going to have to play hardball, and we're not doing it. The, the, the phrase I used, uh, you know, with Dr. Coleman here was half measures, and I think that's what we're doing.
5: Well, and I think that's you know you've, you've nailed it. This, is, this isn't a time for half measures. We tried it. We you know they did their best to try and accommodate both sides of the ledger, but. The point is, we've come to the point where we can no longer do that, that uh, tough decisions have to be made. And I I predict that that will be made very shortly. I mean, the the Premier is, he's a guy trying, trying to do the best job he can. I'm not so sure he should have ignored the advice he was given, but he's trying to do the best job he can. But, however you've got it to be realistic and i think at this point they're not being realistic and they'll be forced into that corner and that will be shortly
0: well and as the experts have told us because uh, i do listen to the medical advice uh, you know we're heading into flu season now uh you know we don't have enough vaccines i guess so that's a, a bit of a shortcoming uh this is going to get worse if we don't get our act together, and 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 if we're not going to do that, then that's the role of government to simply say public health is is important here, and and these are these are the new rules, guys. Until we get this thing under control, because we do not have it under control.
5: Bill, the bottom line here is, if something's not done shortly, there are going to be going to be many, many more people dying.
0: Yeah, and we haven't even gotten into the uh, health crisis of the long-term care facilities either. You know, those numbers are spiking again, and uh, you know we were kind of promised by everybody that wasn't going to happen again, but it is. Well, it uh, has happened already. You know, I yeah. knew I
5: was at one a few, or one of the long-term care homes. Twenty-some odd people dying. Yeah,
0: I know. It's 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 sick, really. What's going on? Well, we'll see what the numbers say later on this afternoon, and uh, a lot more to talk about this, uh, as always. Uh, Badger, thanks so much for the time. Great talking with you again.
5: Okay, Bill, take it
0: easy. You too. Take care. Richard Brandon, of course, uh, who covered uh, Queen's Park for many, many years for the Toronto Star. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML. The Bill Kelly Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also listen to The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 till noon on 900 CHML.